family? That was weak. That was weak. All right. Good morning, church family. There they are. There they are. Okay. So um, today, children, I'll speak to the children first. Um, You guys are going to have to listen to some things things about parents. And uh, what I want you not to do is like, that's my mom. That's my mom. She don't do that. And things like that. I feel like I need to pre-warn you guys. I'm going to say some things that even mommy may not do sometimes, and or maybe I'm working on. We're not going to be like, my mom never does that, right? Or, or my dad, you know, he's never here. You know, so don't say things like that. Please be sweet to your parents today. You can nod along, and you know what you should do when you hear things that you wish your parents would do? Just pray for them. Just pray quietly, pray, and we're going to do that later too. So I just wanted to put that out there. And also, parents... Um, don't start poking your kids when I start saying things about the children and how much discipline they need. And you start poking them like, yeah, that's my kid. And she needs all the discipline. She's terrible, right? You know, type of things. Let's, uh, let's agree to love each other this morning on that. And so <laughs> I just felt like I should say that first and uh, lay that out there. Um, so I'm Rhiannon. Those of you that don't know me, I feel like I know most everyone. I've been at this church since... Um, I got saved at Revelation to Calvary. If you know what that is, you've been here for a really long time. <laughs> um, my uh, then uh, just friend, I don't even think we were dating yet, uh, my friend Brad uh, was 16 probably, and uh, he was in youth group, and he was in this play, this church play, and he was like, you should come. And I was like, whatever, I'm already saved. And he's like, no, you need to come to this play. <laughs> he's like, it's going to be good. And um, that's where I got saved, and um, I've literally been a part of this family ever since. Like, no matter where we've been, y'all are my family always. So it's been great. So I do am a mom of four, and then I've also been in some form of children's ministry or student ministry for 15 years. This makes me feel super old, but that's okay. 15 years. 15 years of my life, and so I've adopted extra kids, so I have lots of extra kids, and I teach high school, and I'm going on my fifth year of doing that, and I have lots and lots of children, so I feel like I'm, God's like, almost played a joke on me this year when he's like, you're going to step up and take children's pastor, I'm like, no, I'm not, I was like, I have lots of kids, I don't need more kids, but it's been a great blessing, I just love y'all's children, even when, you know, I'm like, look like this at the end of service, like, I'm still, like, just so blessed by them, and it's been a great experience so far, so... Um, I want to get this out of the way first. I know there's some of you who may read lots of uh, parenting books or parenting blogs, or or maybe you didn't. Maybe it's just that first baby because I was like that. My first baby, I was going to be the best mom ever, so I read lots of blogs about parenting styles and different things. And Dobson, if you've read uh, Bringing Up Boys, Bringing Up Girls, you've read all these things. And um, what I've found is there's one book that, for my 36 years of life, has all the answers, and um, that's the Bible. Hopefully you all know that. And um, this is pretty uh, cool because my verse to start off today with is in James, which is my totally my most favorite book of the Bible. So it's kind of cool you are doing that on Wednesday nights. So I'll plug it again. Come Wednesday nights, James is the best book of the Bible. Like it's everything. You don't need like, you should read the whole Bible. But James is like, James is like, he's really going to, he just goes there. And every aspect of your life, you can apply it to James. And I'm going to prove that this morning. So like we've been taught here at LifePoint, what does the Bible say? Um, in James 1 5, here's what the Bible says. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So I feel like this applies to parenting, guys, and more so than any of these parenting books can do. Because most parenting books or blogs try to make you feel bad about the parenting you've been doing. If you're doing this, it's wrong. If you did it like this, it's wrong. If you did it like this, it's wrong. But the Bible says this. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, and hear these words, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So let's pray. Lord God, I just want to ask you for your, just your anointing to be in this place this morning, Lord God, for me to decrease while you increase, Lord God, that we would all hear your words today, Lord, and just apply them to our lives, Lord Jesus, from the youngest to the oldest in the room, Lord, that we know that we're all a parent to somebody, that if we're a mom or a dad, we're a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, an elder in the church, Lord God, someone who in leadership, that children are watching us and that we're just going to be the best examples that you, um, that we can be for you, Lord God, and just be, totally in your word and immersed and ready to learn and and willing and humble enough, Lord God, to hear things about ourselves that maybe aren't so great, but willing to change too. And we just ask all this in Jesus name. Amen. So while I was praying about what to speak to you guys about, you know, God spoke to me a lot. So if I get kind of like, you know, it's because it got me too. And so I've tried, I was like, I'm not going to cry when I'm preaching because that's not what I'm going to do because I don't in children's church because, you know, I keep it light and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, we're yelling and stuff. But um, for in here, I was like, I got to be a little more serious. But I was like, but then that tends to make you want to cry. So y'all get, if I start crying, my children need to laugh at me or something, then I'll forget that someone needs to make a funny face at me or something. So. 
So um, we said it. We've said it a couple times in this service: the training child and the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not fall from it. Um, that's the best verse, you know, for children, and it's totally true because. I'm an example of that because my parents were not churchgoers growing up. I did not spend time in church. Like my first, my first time getting saved was when Brad invited me to church. Like that was it. That was when I got saved. And it was when I was 17, no, 18, 18 years old. So, you know, I didn't have that. But what I did have was really, really godly godmother who taught me all about the Bible and read the Bible to me every night. And it was there. So even when Brad would like, but we called him Bible Brad. And I was like, Bible Brad's preaching at me again. And I was like, and, uh, and I was like, I already know all this, right? But I really did, because if you train a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they they're not going to fall from it. They know it's in them already. It's like God knows, it's His word's so powerful. It's living. It says it in the Bible, it's living. So it's living in me, even when I wasn't living it. Does that make sense? Like, so it was really kind of cool, you know, that that verse really does play out. But what I want to talk to you guys about this morning is like our parent, parents, I want to talk to parents about your relationship to God and how that matters more, more so than any, you know, more so than anything. So my first point is to read the word and teach it to your children and tell them the good God did in your life, like what he specifically did for you. So that's my first point today. Read the word, teach it to your children, teach them the good God did in your life. So Deuteronomy is made up of like these farewell speeches, you know, given by Moses to the Israelites because he wasn't going to get to go to the promised land, right? He spent all that time, but he wasn't going to get to make it because he had disobeyed God. So, but he was kind of training the Israelites and teaching them and getting them ready to go do this because he wasn't going to get to go with them. So the chapter kind of begins with this like challenge and command to make sure to tell their children, he kept telling them, tell your children of all the good God did for you in this desert. Like, tell them about these things. Remember to tell them. And how the children were not going to be there to see it, or they would not be there to remember it, and they would have to tell them. So in chapter 11, verses 18 and 19, it says, So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. So all the time, right? All the time. I like this scripture because I feel like it paints this really beautiful picture of what it's like to be a parent. So Moses, he's not going to be able to go to the promised land with them, but he was teaching them and showing them the way right to the end, right? We must send our kids out sometimes, right? We have to send them to school. We have to send them to church for little periods of time. Sometimes it's not very long. Sometimes it's long. Sometimes you send them to camp. Like, you guys bless me and Brad and send youth to camp with us here in two weeks. And then we'll have kids camp at the end of July. And so we'll take your kids for a whole week, right? And you have to train them up until they go, right? Um, and as much as I would like to, like, live forever and see every moment of the girls' lives, I know I'm not going to be able to do that. And so... I have, the only way for them to know the testimony, like how real God was in my life, is for me to tell it, right? Before I'm gone, I have to tell them this. I have to show them. I have to make God real. So this is going to look different, you know, when your kids are little, you know, you don't tell them your teenage testimony usually, right? You're like, that's what I did when I was a teenager. No, like they're five, calm down. Don't tell them those things, right? So, you you know, you tell them, so you wait, you kind of give them bits and pieces. But the cool thing about being a parent is that, they see what God brought you out of in that. And that, that's like kind of the realest thing they're going to see. Because you're going to read through them in the Bible. And they're going to know about Moses. And they're going to know about Noah. They're going to know about Abraham. And they're going to know all these old Bible stories. And they're all great. And they can apply them to their life. But they don't know those people, right? You can't bring Moses over for dinner. And like, Look how God changed Moses' life, children. Right? They know you. So you have to tell them about you, and that's kind of scary sometimes, I know. <laughs> it's like, but, you know, mine are getting older now, and so more and more things get brought up, thanks to my lovely sisters and my mother and things sometimes. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, well, our kids don't know about this, any of this. We need to be quiet. You know, they, like, tell stories from when we were kids and stuff. They're like, you didn't do that, Mom. I'm like, no, I didn't. That was awesome. Like, I was always Christian and walked on water, you know. But, no, it, like, they uh, <laughs> they were like, they were like um, no. But they, I mean, they know now, but... The point is, they have to see this person you've become with God's help. They have to see that, that God can do that for them, that they're going to mess up too, and that God's going to be there and change them as a person. So that was my first point. The second point is a little harder. So you have to be someone who puts God first. And that sounds really simple, but that's, that's the hard one. You have to be the person that says God is first. And this is going to be harder than reading them the Bible stories and telling them your testimony. Like, testimony might seem hard, but being a person that puts God first is actually harder. Because that means 
there's a lot of change that has to happen sometimes. So in the end, if you want to raise godly and selfless children, this relies a lot on how godly and selfless you've been in front of them, how genuine, how real you've been. They can't see you say it here at church, and then at home you're like, you know, hey, everyone, I'll be in my room, right? <laughs> like, you, 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 they got to they gotta see it. So there's a lot of scriptures behind me, hopefully. Almost there. Next one, I think. There should be three scriptures that are going to come up. Well, they're probably in two, three different slides. It's big. It's okay. So there's three scriptures so that you guys know I'm not making this stuff up. So the first one, Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And then my next one is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord God or Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your paths submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. And then last one, Matthew 22, 37 through 38, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we've heard most of these scriptures. These are like the memorized scriptures, right? Like I, that's why I start adding words to them. I know them in several different, like several different versions from doing uh, girls ministry for so long. We have them memorized. These were all stars, memory verses. And I've learned them in NIV, and then I had to learn them in King James, and then I had to learn them in, like, a random. So I add extra gods and lords and thou sometimes, so forgive me. Um, so <laughs> I really do know what these say. Um, this just happens sometimes. So what I want to ask you this morning, in relation, I just read to you just straight from the Bible. That wasn't Rhiannon's notes. That was the Bible, right? We all agree to that. Like, those are three scriptures from the Bible, not Rhiannon's words, right? So I want you to ask yourself this morning, when you have struggles, whether they're financial, you have like no money, you know, or it feels like you have no money, or it's your health and you just feel sick all the time and you can't get better and you don't, and you're going to these doctors and you're, but you're praying, but you know, you, you just feel sick. You have job issues. You either need a job or want a job or don't like the job you're in. You want a new job or, you know, you're happy in your job, but maybe you just don't like the people there, things like that. Um, marriage issues, which we go on and on about. I know you've already heard a sermon on this, so I won't do it. We'll just cover it. Marriage issues and friendships, etc. All those things that happen in our lives because we're people, right? When those things, when those struggles come to our life, whatever kind of form they take, what do your children see? And I want you to relate it back to these scriptures. Here, here's some questions for you. Do you seek God first? Do they see you pray together or do they see you argue? Like you may pray later. The big thing is, you know, your kids are watching you, right? Kids are always watching us. They're watching us right now. They're watching you right now. You know, like they're watching everybody. They're watching the react reactions. Your mind will give me a full report on like what everyone else was doing later. You know, like this person wasn't listening to you, mom. They like to do things like that. You know, like they do this after children's church. This person was on their phone, mom. You know, they'll tell me kids are watching you. I promise you. They give me full reports all the time. Um, do they see you pray together or they see you argue, right? So you have to make sure that even if you're going to, you know, you plan to pray together later, that you, your kids need to see it. Go ahead and make an agreement with your spouse now that you're just going to start praying. Even if it needs to come to words later, <laughs> sometimes you just got to get some things out. You got to talk. Communication is key, right? Not an argument, but a talk. Don't do the talk in front of the children. Do the pray in front of the children. The pray is the, the important part. That's the part they need to see so that they can grow up and be godly and awesome, right? All right, so do, you, do they see you pray together or argue? Do they see you worry or have peace? Do they see you pray or read the Bible and then have peace? Or do they see you make a million phone calls asking all your friends what you should do and then have peace? Or not peace, really. You just or Now you're really confused because everybody's told you to do something different, right? Do they see that? Um, do they see you, um, bottom line, do they see you take it to Facebook or do they see you take it to Jesus? I'm just saying, kids. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, um, I see that a lot, you know, because I, I, I'm on all the social media because I teach high school, so I have to be on all of it. I have a Snapchat. I have an Instagram. I have all the things that sometimes I don't want to have because then I have to check all of them, you know, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on anywhere, and everything's very updated. But I see a lot of people's problems everywhere. Like, everybody's putting it all out there. And then I'm like... You know, thinking of my children and how they have these social medias too, and they're seeing everybody's problems out there, and they're like, "Why did they tell everybody that?" I don't know. <laughs> That's what I tell them. I was like, "I don't know why they told them that." I'm sorry that you read that with me. <laughs> you know? and I was like, "Cause they'll be, you know, they're always right here looking over your shoulder because children are always watching." So, you know, think about that. Like, pray about it. Type something out in Word to get it all out if you must, and then don't post it. Just keep it for yourself. <laughs> like, sometimes it's just, that's just one of those things. 
Um, you know, putting God first and being a good parent means that all of our decisions, like all of them, are not only based on what the Bible says. That's important, right? But it's also through the eyes of these children who are always watching to see how we respond to everything. They're just watching. They're like, that lady just did that to mom. What's she going to do? <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? You're watching me. No pressure, right? No pressure at all. Um, so now I'm going to talk to the children. So get ready or to, about the children. Once we got past those, we got it all past that, right? Everybody's good. Yeah. <sighs> okay, hurry. Um, I don't want to step on any toes. I was like, everybody's good. Nobody go check your Facebook right now. I'm sure you're all okay, but <laughs> you're good. But you're good. Um, part two is going to be about the children. So, number one, don't um, don't cringe at this word, children. But uh, discipline is a vital part of child rearing. It's just it's it just is, and um, I'm gonna give you some scriptures, and there's gonna be four of them. I've got lots and lots of scripture in here for you today, guys. So I encourage you to go read the whole book, but because these are just snippets. Go read the whole book of Proverbs. Go read the whole book of James. Go read the whole book of Matthew, and all these things are really good. And and I didn't say them, so here you go. Proverbs thirteen twenty four says, "He who spares the rod hates the son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him." Proverbs nineteen eighteen. Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Proverbs twenty-three thirteen: Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. So um, all those he's in there, that it counts for she's too. Sorry, daughters, but yes, that's you too. Um, so what's the point of all these? Simple. It's a simple point, hopefully. A loving parent disciplines their child. You just do. It, it just do. The, that last one's my favorite because he said he will not die. He's really not going to die. So I'm not going to, I don't want you all to, uh, I want you to not misunderstand me though. I'm not suggesting, you know, we're all going home where you must beat the children today, right? We have to beat them. Um, sometimes they need, a, you know, sometimes they just do. They need you to spank them. But the main point here for discipline that we forget is that it's supposed to help your child learn the right way. So if you're doing it just because you want to hit them, that's wrong. <laughs> if you're doing it because you're trying to show them the right way, that's right. right? The, in the end, they need to have negative consequences for bad behaviors. Not bad children, bad behaviors. And they need to have positive consequences for like, like positive good behavior, for good behaviors. But they need both. It can't be, you know, they get beat when they do something wrong. When they do something right, you're like, whatever, meh. You know, you're like, walk away. That's great, you know. Like, we, we laugh about that. There's a movie that says that off, like, and, and we laugh at the house. So when the kids are like, look, I got A on my report card, we go, meh. But it's in a movie. So if you ever see me and Brad doing that, we're really not these awful people. <laughs> we just do it because it's, it's so fun. It's like the funniest part of the movie because he's like, look, Mom, I built this rocket ship. And she's like, meh. Like, she does not care his whole life. He does all these amazing things. And she's like, meh. And so we, we do that, and they do it to me, too, which, so it's even. Because I'm like, look, girls, I did this. And they're like, meh. <laughs> like, awesome. Thank you. So we oh, thank you, Despicable Me, for making us these mean people. <laughs> but um, anyway, so positive consequences for good behavior, negative consequences for bad behaviors, right? Um, James Dobson says it really well, so I'm going to just quote him here. He says, when you draw a line and you say, don't cross this line, so pretend that's my line, and you say, don't, don't do it. Don't cross this line. You are not to cross this line. Um, and your child sticks his foot over the line, you know, because they're going to say, they're looking for a fight. They're looking for one. And you better not disappoint them, is what he says. And I like that because it, it's just, it, it really is frustrating when you, you tell your kids, don't do this. And they, they put just one little foot outside of it, right? And you know, like, come home at 10 o'clock, and they're home at 10.30, like, for teenagers. Um, have a snack in the afternoon, and they have four snacks in the afternoon, you know, things like that. Um, and it's, it's hard, you know, because we're having to distinguish between right and wrong. Sometimes it's not that having the snacks was right or wrong. It's that we told you not to have but one snack. It's not that you had four snacks, and that's a wrong. I mean, it's a lot, that's a lot of snacks, kids. But still, that, it's not, that's not the part necessarily that's wrong. The wrong was that mommy or daddy or parent or grandparent or aunt or uncle said have one snack in the afternoon and we put that foot out there like well what if I had a couple snacks you know um we have to be firm in this and we have to be firm in every rule that we make that's why I tell parents you know and they tell us as teachers not to make up too many rules because then you're constantly like what did I say was the rule and you have like 18,000 rules like you have to narrow it down and you should do it as a parent too and like it didn't even occur to me until I was a teacher that that like it 
kind of tied together because I only have five rules for my classroom. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have five rules for my house too because that's easy to remember. Then you're not constantly like, did you break this rule number 325? Okay, article two. You know, because like, you can do that because I'm, you know, I'm not clinically, I'm not a clinical OCD person, but I'm kind of, you know, I'm a, my papers up here have to be completely, like I moved back just a minute ago to fix my papers, not because I forgot what to say. I'm kind of have that issue. <laughs> and so my children could probably have 500 rules and it would just touch the surface of the things I would want to happen. Like I want your shoes exactly in this spot, but I have to calm myself and pick the things, pick my battles, right? But there are some things you, you just have to, you have to win. Um, we have to help our children do this. And at the beginning, it's going to be through spanking, right? Because they're going to want to touch hot stuff or run in the street or you know, do things that they have to know immediately, like pain equals if I run in the street, right? They need to know these things because they're not going to learn any other way. And you can't reason with a, like, ba- like a nine-month-old, don't run in the street. You know why? Because you get smashed. But they don't know what car is. They're just looking at you like, what? You know, they just need to know, hold the hand. If I, don't, if I let go of the hand, something's going to happen to my butt, right? <laughs> that's what they need to know, and that's what they can grasp at that point, right? As they get older, you can be more creative, right? Um, I have older kids, they all have like, they've all been, you know, spoiled rotten, so they've gotten lots of like phones handed down to them. Everybody's teases about my children having phones. I didn't buy them for them, they just have been blessed by hand-me-downs, like, we're like, we got a new phone, here you go, kids, right? So they all have it, but they don't have service, because they're, you know, under 12 and under, and they're not going to have service right now. But um, they, the, the best way to punish them now is if I'm like, I'm shutting down the Wi-Fi, it's gone. And they're like, what? You know, like, that's, you know, like, I don't have to spank them. I can just be like, Wi-Fi, you know, like, turn the thing, and that's, we can be a lot more creative as they get older, and it makes a point. And you have to make that big point. Like, if you say you're going to take away your kid's phone, it's away. It's gone. They don't have it anymore. And then I, I like, add to it. I'm so mean. I add to it. Like, if you ask me about it, it's, it's longer. I'm going to keep it longer. <laughs> don't ask me about it. I told you five days. You'll get it at the end of the five days. I promise you I won't forget because I actually like them to have phones sometimes because then they're occupied, like, especially in the car and car trips. I have four. No matter how far apart they are in the car, there's something. Someone's touching someone. Someone's looking at someone. Someone, someone, someone has done something horrible to the other one, and we must tell mommy about it, even though she's trying to get us to a place to spoil us some more, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I like them to kind of have the phones in car rides, especially. So when I take it away, I remember. I promise you I'll remember because I want to give it back to you as soon as I can. But I have to keep it for that amount of time. The big thing. Um, I got, uh, love my parents, but the big thing, they were the most inconsistent parents. So, like, anytime we got punished, we were like, yeah, it'll be over in like two. We never got, we never were upset about it. We we're like, you're grounded for this long. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, I'll probably be grounded after, you know, till dinner time and then we'll be fine, right? Like, and so it didn't, it didn't matter. We just did what we wanted because the punishment is never consistent and that was not okay, right? So, one thing I can assure you is that the misbehavior doesn't go away if we ignore it. When you ignore it, it's just going to keep happening, and other people might have to deal with it. Or you send them to school, and I, I as the teacher, I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is this child doing? Um, we, we can't be scared to discipline them. We can't go along with this view that our kids just get through these times without us, like the terrible twos, right? You know, um, they're just going to do it without our help. We're just going to let them throw as many fists as they want. We're just going to ignore them, and it's all, they're just going to grow out of it, right? They're not going to, not without our help. Or they turn into these terrible threes and fours and fives and sixes. And, and I have teenagers, 10th graders, who pitch fits, like still pitch fits. And I'm, I'm, I'm floored because I'm like, oh, my goodness, my 8-year-old doesn't even do this anymore. I had a kid who, like, he threw down his book. I mean, 16 years old, threw down his book. He's like, I'm leaving. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he's like, I'm going in the hall right now. I'm like, okay, well, that'll show me. Go ahead. <laughs> but I was thinking to myself, I was like, that parent did not teach them when they were this young that that was not okay behavior because now they're this big. This kid's this big, and he's telling me he's, he threw down. I mean, he threw something. I was like, you're 16 years old. And, that was, you know, he needed help. He didn't get the help, and so now he thinks that's appropriate behavior for a 16-year-old. You don't want that for your children, kids. I, I call everyone kids, sorry. Kid parents, you do not want that for your children, parents. Um, there's some battles you just have to win. You just have to because that's what happens. They turn into these grown-ups who can't do things, right? Um, and when these battles come, you have to hang in there, and you have to win for the sake of your child. God has to rule your house, not them, and then we say a lot, like, the parent's the ruler of the house. But really, if you're a godly parent, God rules your house. And you've taught these, these godly principles, and that's what you have to bring it back to them. That's not just you as the parent making up rules. God made these rules. It's the ones we're going to follow. Mommy and Daddy are going to follow them, too. And here you go, kids. And so God rules your house. So when we're issuing this discipline, um, 
you were corrective, you issued discipline, but you should be full of grace. So kids are going to mess up, right? Um, they're going to do things that could get them killed or hurt or just silly things that, you know, just embarrass them. Sometimes you try to keep your kids from just getting embarrassed, you know? When correcting, you have to remember, though, that your kid is a kid. They're just a kid. Sometimes they don't know why they did it. And you're like, why did you do that? And they're like, I don't know, you know? And they have no idea. But sometimes they know exactly what they did. And they know why they did it. And you're looking out of it, they're like, they're just not going to tell you. But the thing you still have to remember is that they're still a kid. They're just still a kid. And we can apply that to grown-ups. You know, we talk about it all the time about loving people where they're at. You have to love your kids where they're at. And that's where they're at. Like, <laughs> it's just where they're at. They're going to do crazy stuff all the time. And you're like, why did you do that? And they're like, I did it on purpose. And you're like, what? <laughs> but you have to love them. You have to, like, control yourself. You know, because sometimes I'm like, you totally did do that on purpose. And now I have to punish you, right? Um, sometimes they know exactly what they did. And um, in the Bible it says, in Psalm 103, 13, it says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So God tells us he's, his, he's our father, right? He's our heavenly father. And he loves us with this compassion because we mess up, right? We mess up big sometimes because we're adults. So we, we have more access to big things, <laughs> it seems like. When you're a kid, like, you know, some of the worst things you can do are still contained to your house. <laughs> like, as a grown-up, you can go out and make, cause all kinds of chaos everywhere, you know, because we have cars and we can drive and we can make all kinds of nonsense. So God loves us even when we mess up big. And that's what we have to remember when we're disciplining our children. So the big thing is just making sure that your anger is under control before you discipline. And sometimes that's hard because sometimes your kids have done something that, like, you're immediately red, your blood red. You're like, oh, my goodness, why did you do that, right? And um, this is where the compassion comes in. You have to remember all the things God's forgiven you for, and that, that'll be a fun list, right? And um, before you lose your mind over, you know, the haircut gone wrong, because mine have done that. They've given home haircuts to each other. And um, before you lose your mind, or lose your mind over like a dirty room, or you know, dirty clothes all over your house, even though there's a spot for them that has been like, like communicated several times, there's a spot for all the dirty clothes to go in my house. Before you lose your mind about those things, you have to like think of all the things God's forgiven you for, and that way you discipline. Like you know, you still got to discipline. That's where we kind of cave a little bit. We got to make sure we've calmed down. Don't discipline in anger, but then we also have to like keep it balanced. We still have the discipline. We're just going to do it calm, right? We're going to do it in a calm way. We're going to explain it because when you're angry, you don't explain anything. You barely get out real words, right? You're like, blah, 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 blah. you know, you're just yelling at them, and they don't even know what you're saying. You don't know what you're saying, but you have to. Because you have to be able to tell them, like, why, sometimes, because the times when they really don't know why, like, you have to be able to tell them why, right? This is why you're being punished. This is why this is a really bad choice. Like, this is why, because hopefully you're not just, you know, for whatever reasons, you have to tell them why. That you should do a thing where, you know, I have, you know, I succeed in this a lot, and then I fail in it a lot, because sometimes I do, you know, I don't, I'm not perfect in all this, very transparent. I get it wrong a lot of times. There's four of them too, so it's like, oh, you know, like I might be calm with one, and then two seconds later, somebody else is doing something, and I'm like, oh my goodness, calm. <laughs> you know, like, okay, we're gonna be calm. Um, but there's this, there's this thing where you have to like try to get them to explain it back to you, because I, I find with my youngest, especially, like she has no idea half the things that she's doing. I feel like so she just does things, right? So she, um, she'll do something, and I'm like, oh, you know, come here. You know, we talk about it, and then I go. So why are you being punished? Why, why can't you do this? I don't know. I'm like, okay. And you have to calm down. Because then it's like you get, you know, you're like, what? How could you not know? Sometimes they really don't know. You have to make sure they know. So then you have to re-explain it. This is parenting. It's just a, a series of you re-explaining things you've already said several, several times. It's lovely. It's fun. But you have to because they're never going to learn. If you just punish them and they go to the room, and the, but they have no idea why they're in there. They're just in their room, you know, like you did nothing. You didn't point them the way of the cross. You didn't do any of the things that we talk about. You just sent them to their room and now your life is quiet and there's this quiet and you're just both in separate places. That's it. That's all that happened. But if you're like, you're going to your room because this, and they can tell you it back. And that's really important for younger ones. Like older ones usually know. They're like, I oh, don't know. I get it. By the, especially if you've taught them all that as they get older, they kind of know. But the little ones, like they, they usually just don't know. And so, you have to be able to, you know, make sure they know. Always make sure they know. I have to make myself remember, you know, sometimes I'll punish, and then I'll be like, do you know why you don't have your phone right now? No, I don't remember. 
<laughs> I was like, then you have to remind them, you don't have your phone because, you know, and you do those things. And then you follow up discipline with love. I always tell your children, after, even after you spanked them, it feels odd, and you know, you're like, I just beat you. Come here, give me a hug, right? They don't want the hug sometimes. They don't want it. You have to force the love on them. You're like, come on, kid. Come on, bring it in. You know, you have to like, I love you a lot. This is why this happened. I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't care. I tell my teenagers this at school. I can't beat the kids that I teach, unfortunately, sometimes. But I, have, I, I tell them, I am not going to reward bad behavior. Like, if you guys act foolish today, do not expect a nacho party at the end of the week, you know, because they'll, they'll ask me, can we have a party? No, we cannot have a party because you guys did this, this, and this, and this, you know, and like, I, and I have to stick to it and do these things. And, but I, ha- and I tell them, I was like, if I didn't love you guys, if I did not care, I promise you I would not spend all this time telling you these things. I would say, okay, here's your lesson. I'm going to go sit at my desk. I'll see y'all later, right? Like, that's because that's, you could do that as a teacher. I was like, here's some textbooks. I'd send them out. I spend a lot more time you know, because I'm trying to do what God said to do, right? And so I, I try to, like, teach them. And, like, even though it's, sometimes it feels like it's falling on dead ears, you know, I'll say, the reason we're not going to do this is blah, 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 you know, and they're like, okay, okay, yes, thanks, you know. But um, it's, so, it's so very important that we follow up discipline with love. Always remember that. Like, if you forget the part about making them explain it back to you, which we will sometimes because you're like, you know, you're just ready, ready sometimes, especially when they've, like, you know, really done something crazy. You just need them to, like, go <laughs> a little bit. But you want to tell them you love them and that, you know, it didn't change the way you felt about them, what they did. I have to try to say that very often, you know, because sometimes your kids take your punishment as, like, my mom doesn't love me or she doesn't care about me or she doesn't want me to do this or that. You have to tell I love you so much, and that's why you can't do this or that, you know, because I want you eventually to be able to do all these things, but you can't if you keep doing these things, right? That is key. So basic communication with people, um, you can find it in all the books, all the, you know, seven habits of highly effective people. It says um, to seek to understand before you're understood, and that's so important even with, you know, child rearing. Like understanding is the part that helps us discipline out of love and not anger. Because if we seek to understand them, we're less angry. Because sometimes, sometimes it's kind of funny why they did a thing they did. And then you really are like, okay, I get it. I get why you did that now. But you still follow up with the discipline. But then you can kind of do it more out loud. You're not angry anymore, right? Because you sought to understand why they did it, not just, you know, jump to judge them. Um, next, last scripture, and then I'll be wrapping up, is Colossians 3.21. It says, fathers, do not provoke, or it says in other versions, exasperate your children lest they become discouraged. So provoke or exasperate in the Greek, it means to irritate by exacting commands and perpetual fault finding and interference for interference sake. So this is like the parent where like you constantly see something wrong with your kid. This is wrong. That's wrong. This is wrong. Your hair's wrong. Your shirt's wrong. Your pants don't match. I don't like those shoes. You don't have socks on. You know, like you just think. And you're just interfering to interfere. Like you just like, you know, they're walking through the house and you're like, why are you walking like that? You know, that kind of parent, right? Like, like you're just, you're the boss of the house. So you're like, hey, why are you watching that show? You told me you could watch a show, but then you go in the room and you're like, why are you watching that show? You know, like that kind of parenting, right? We can find ourselves, you know, even the most innocent of us when you're like, you're not even in a bad mood. You find yourself, sometimes you just do that. You're like, maybe you're just being curious, but then, for a kid, though, that kind of, it can lead to this in bitterness because they just feel like every time they see their parent, they're judging me or they're asking me why I'm doing a thing or all these, you know, all these questions all the time, you know. And um, I want to cover just five of these. I promise I'm going to get you out of here. Um, five of these that embitter that we kind of do a lot. Sometimes in our, like, seeking to make these people the most godly people they can be, we can be overwhelming sometimes as parents. So here's some of the things. Sometimes we want to exert our power versus love. Sometimes we take out our bad days on our children. This is wrong because the end goal is to train them and assist them to be these awesome people of God, right? Not to dole out, like, new chores or send them to their rooms when a bad day had nothing to do with them, right? Maybe you just want to be alone, but those are your children, and sometimes, you know, you have to die to self and be with them and not punish them for it. Like, you know, because your, your power as a parent, you can. You can come to your room anytime you want. Go to your room, you know. But, like, for them, that can become, like, you know, just like a, a, like a dent in their Christianity. Like, and this happens when they're younger, and so that's why we have to be so careful. So we can come from work tired. You've been bullied all day by adults, right? All the adult things that adults endure all day long. And before you even greet your children, you're scanning for things. To, to get on to them about, right? Sometimes it's just the question drill. Before you even say hello, you're like, did you do your homework? Did your sister do her homework? 
where, where, why are all these things here? You know, you start doing those things. And I totally do that sometimes. And that's why I like, when I was like studying and reading about this, I was like, oh my gosh, I totally do that. Cause I, I get home a lot of times, like later in the afternoons, like five thirty, and my sitter will be there and I'm saying bye to her, you know, and trying to be sweet because she really blesses our lives with how long she stays with my children sometimes because she'll stay late and she'll take them to her house. She's just great. So I, I kind of focused on her a little bit. You know, I just, like, just want to make sure she knows she's loved and appreciated. But then I forget about the little people. You know, I haven't said hi to them yet because then when I'm done with her, I'll turn around. And my immediate thing is, why are we all sitting around on the couch when we could be doing our homework? Where's our shoes at? You know, and I'll go in on them and I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally do that. And so this one spoke to me. So if you do that, you know, we're just going to try as a church family. We're going to not do that. <laughs> so, um, because it just does. And I thought about it. I was like, if, if immediately, you know, me and Brad have done it to each other. And like, if he comes in the house and just asks me questions about things before he says hello or gives me a kiss, I'm like immediately like Ugh, mad, you know? So I'm like, if I'm a grown up and, and I kind of feel that way, think about a kid, how they feel like when you haven't even said hello to them yet. And you're instantly like, what have you done today? Nothing. Of course, you know, like you're just like coming through this list. Um, B, my second point, is uh, double standards. So adults, we get, to, we, we get to do things children can't. So we get to pick our own bedtimes. There's things that we just get to do that children can't, and that's fine. However, most of the time our children are, will get embittered, though, if they're told that honesty is essential, and then they see us lying in our work. They are disillusioned if we tell them that worship or Bible reading or prayer is a priority, but they never see us doing those things, right? Um, they get discouraged if they're punished for being disrespectful, but then they see you be disrespectful to either your parents or your spouse or even to them or to an employer. It's, it's a double standard to them. They don't get, okay, well, if I'm being, ground, I'm being grounded right now for not saying thank you or please or doing these things or being rude to you or talking back, but then you got on the phone and you're like, whatever, mom. You, know, you like hang up and you're like, you know my boss, my boss, blah, 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 blah. And you go, that's... That's the disconnect for them. That's a really big disconnect for kids because they're like, you just told me, you know. And some of them will try to say it, and then you get mad at them all over again. You're like, quit back talking to me. This is none of your business. This is not children's time, right? But, you know, I'm just going to leave that one there. Like, they, our children need consistency from us. They have to, I mean, they have to get it. If they see you as a disrespectful person, they may, for your sake, not be disrespectful to you. But you don't see them all the time. They, they're taking your attitude and they're being disrespectful to their friends or being disrespectful to their grandparents or being disrespectful, you know, because you, sometimes you don't even realize your kid talks back because maybe they don't do it to you because you've set the standard of we don't talk to mommy like that. But you'll hear them talk to grandma like that, and you're like, oh, my goodness, that's my kid. Because we haven't set it as an example in our lives. And we don't, we, we're just instantly like, who's taught my kid this? Sometimes it's us. We taught our kid that. All right, so criticism without encouragement is my third one. So in our desire to help our kids overcome evil and be awesome, we can spend our time, like, commenting on just the negative, right? Because we want them to be awesome. Sometimes this is very, like, light because we don't, we're not doing it on purpose because we are trying to be mean. We're just trying to help them be awesome. But in that, we end up kind of, like, hurting them, right? So we'll see a report card, and we point out all the lower grades versus the higher grades, right? We're like, Oh, looks like here you got a C in this, and we skip over all the get. Like it's like we're just checking off good grades, and then we highlight the one that's bad, right, or the one that's lower than the other ones, things like that, without you know even acknowledging you know the other things. We kind of harp on what's not done versus what is done sometimes, and that's like that's kind of the opposite of what we should do. We should kind of harp on the things that are good and awesome because that's the things we want them to go to, right? Because if we harp on the bad things, it's just we don't want them to keep repeating that anyway, so let's not even bring it up. Okay, that was that year. You know, let's look at these things. How can we get these grades in these classes versus even having to come up with, you know, why did you do, you know, this, this, and this. So encouragement before criticism. Point four, devaluing their opinions because of their age. So many children have been convinced that what they do and what they feel are not important and that communicating um, and th- that kind of communicates to children that they're, like, insignificant, which is not what we want, right? Sometimes there's adult conversations, and I get that. Sometimes you're talking to your husband. But that's why, you know, wait till your kids are gone or asleep or, like, there's other times. When your kids are around and they, they tend to do this, they love to insert themselves in your conversation. And you should teach them, excuse me, you know, in times when they should, you know, when we're, like, me and Daddy are having a conversation right now. But then at the same time, Say you're talking about a family problem or a family issue or something. They're going to want to give you suggestions, you know, and sometimes they're going to be crazy, like, we should just buy a horse and do this, right? And you're like, 
that's a terrible idea, you know, but that's what you're thinking, but you're like, but for kids, like, the best thing you can do for them is just to write it down, too, like, <laughs> yeah, buy a horse, that could also work, you know, like, think of, you know, because, like, we've had times where you, you don't have a car, and your kids are, like, coming up with ways to help you, too, and you're like, I could sell all my, my things, and, like, I've, I've failed at this and succeeded. I've done times where I've, like, that's a great idea, okay, and I humor them, and sometimes I'm like, that's ridiculous, <laughs> how are you gonna, how are you gonna sell all your things, you know, and I was like, never mind, that was so mean, you know, I was like, you're right, I'm glad you have such a selfless heart but mommy bought all these things and we're going to keep them <laughs> and, I was like, and, I was like, and then I feel bad later again I'm like all right maybe we should sell all the things maybe share it from God and we should take out all the things out of the room and sell them you know like it's fun being a parent right but the, the big thing is that, to value their opinion even when it's crazy even when it's all because sometimes we you know admit it you have crazy ideas too because we want to dream big you know sometimes let your kids dream big, big too, because especially as little ones, they're going to have the most random ideas sometimes, especially when they're real little. Like, But value that opinion. Put it down. Because, like, I mean, it's not like you're really going to have to buy the horse or the elephant, right? Realistically, it's the, you know, as they get older, they're going to laugh. My sister, when she was real little, um, was dead set. My dad could build her a car, like literally build her a car. She had to build like a box car for a project. And she got so mad at him. She was like, we should be able to build this car in one night. <laughs> She's freaking out. And my dad's like, that's crazy. <laughs> you can't build a car. And I was like, dad, you could have just pretended with her. She was seven. <laughs> like, and so in my like, retrospective mind, I'm like, why didn't you just pretend? Because that turned into like a whole night. We still laugh about it because it's the night that Sammy thought we could build a car in one night. <laughs> like My dad was like, you, you, my dad, most of you know my dad think he's this very quiet, calm person. Brad knows because he's family now. My dad can go crazy. And he's like, what? It doesn't make any sense. Like he's still calm in a teddy bear, but he's like, "This is I don't understand." That's his favorite line. I don't understand why you think we can build a car. And I remember we still laugh. We'll tease him about it. Like I don't understand why we can't do this in one night, Dad. You know, it's very funny. Fun times. I love my dad. All right, E, and this is my last one, showing favoritism. So we don't realize we do this sometimes. And if you have one kid, you kind of lucked out. You don't have to do that. You don't, you don't intentionally do this too, too much. But with siblings especially, we tend to, like, compare. We want to compare them. Your sister's not doing this. Sometimes you just, you're just making an observation. You're sticking your finger in your ear and your sister's not. I need you to stop doing that, you know, right? Like, you'll just think in your head. But a lot of times, you know, our children need to feel like they're, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made, unique, their own person, not a person that needs to be compared to someone else because they're not going to be the same. And, like, I'm a prime example. Me and my sisters are, like, night and day. My children have, have seemed to be that same way. Like, none, they're not alike. They want to do different things. They keep us driving all over Douglas County and Villarica, taking them to the different things that they want to do because <laughs> like, they don't want to all play soccer or all dance. They all want to do different things. And so you've got to be really careful about not comparing your kids to each other because when kids feel like the black sheep, um, y'all should all know the story. You get the story of Joseph and his coat of many colors and his brothers all really being embittered toward him because he was the golden child, right? You're, there should be no golden child in your home. <laughs> like, they're all golden children. They're all loved by Jesus and should be equally loved by you. Like, kids know when they ha- your parents have a favorite. We knew my parents' favorite. You know, <laughs> like, we knew it. Like, your kids shouldn't be able to do that, though. Like, you know, like, not harping on my parents some more. I just, this is my experience. But, and they know it, you know. And they're much better as we're older. We're adults now. They try to be, you know, not too, too much. But they're still, you know, they're still, we still know who the favorite is, right? I, my, my main goal is growing up, maybe it was my backseat driver of this, but my main goal as a parent, like, one of my main goals was to just make sure my kids knew I loved them equally and the same. I love them exactly the same. I don't have a favorite. I like this about, you know, these are my favorite things about you, and these are my favorite things about you, and these are my favorite things about you, and that's, you know, that's kind of like my thing, because I feel like it's just going to make them stronger people, because when, if you think back, if you were compared to a sibling, it's like not a nice feeling, even when it was not that serious, even when it was something small, it just, it's just kind of like, you know, well, did you like them better, you know, and like, and they should never think, God doesn't do that to us, right, and we're supposed to model ourselves, that God doesn't like, I like Brad better than you, Ryan, and I'm like, what? You see how Brad did that and you didn't, right? God doesn't do that to us, right? And so we shouldn't do it to our children. So um, is Dave coming to play? Will Dave come play? You come play? I'm going to end this out here with a story. I have a little story for us. So my kids' ministry, um, you'll listen in. This is story time, okay? Um, There are times when we get frustrated, right? Um, Who wants to tell someone something over and over and over and over and over? And over again, a hundred times a week, right? Who wants to do that? Um, 
And uh, I'm not saying we should avoid, like, negative things. I'm not saying, um, but I'm saying that we shouldn't overlook positive things. Make it a point to celebrate victories in your child's life. Because that's kind of what we want from others, right? We don't want to come in here and, you know, we want to hear the word and we want to know how we can change and grow and be different. But we also want to know that in the end, you know, God loves us and that we want him to say, you know, well done, good, faithful servant in the end. And we want to know how to get there. But we also, you know, need to feel victor- victorious sometimes because we mess up, you know, sometimes a lot. So it's nice, you know, to feel that, you know, okay, you may not have done all these things perfect, but you know what you did do? This, right? And that's what we need to do for our kids. So here's a little story for us. There was this um, historical British painter. His name was Brit- Benjamin West. And so he gives credit to why he became a painter to a kiss. One day, his mother went out leaving him in charge of his sister, Sally. In his mother's absence, he discovered several bottles of ink in various colors. So you know where this is going. And as he looked around for something to draw, he noticed his sister was asleep. And so he began to paint Sally. Not on Sally, but a portrait of Sally. So he's painting this portrait of Sally, and he's getting really into it. And um, he kind of made a considerable mess of things. There's ink everywhere, the table, the chairs, the floor, right? And he heard a noise, and he looked up. And um, it's his mom, of course, you know, right? So his mother was home, and she is staring at the ink spills and the paper and the, her table and her chairs and probably the things that she had picked up maybe before she even left the home. And so he expected her to be really angry, and he thought, you know, he kind of braced himself for like this, you know, that, you know, was about to come out of her mouth. But um, instead, she leaned over, and she picked up the piece of paper, and she saw the drawing, and she said... Why, it's Sally, your beautiful sister, Sally. And she smiled at him, and then she stooped down and she kissed him. And Benjamin West would later tell his friends and his students, because he became a teacher of art, he said, my mother's kiss made me a painter. You know. And so my final question to you today is, what would have happened if that was your son or daughter? You know, would you have seen the art, or would you have seen the ink? Right. So um, what I want us to do today is a little different. So I want all my kids to come down here. So all my, not my personal children, all the kids. So if you're ages 5 to 18, and Pastor Brad's going to join me up here, um, 5 to 18. So I want my teenager kids, I want all the kids, I know you all like young adults, all my young adults, students to come to. All, if you're ages 5 to 18 in here, you should be up here right now, all of you together as one big unit. I still see you back there. Come on, tall kids. Come up here, too. I need all my tall children. Come on, I see you. I see you. I see your face. You cannot hide from me in here. (laughs) Okay, so what I want us to do today is I want you guys to kind of form this, like kind of come in a little bit close. Me and Mr. Brad don't stink. We're good. Here, come up here. Come slightly closer to us because people are going to come around you here in a second. Don't don't freak out. What we're going to do first is we're going to pray for all these people sitting behind you, okay? So that your parents, your leaders, your pastors, the people you're just looking at because these are adults in your church. And just so you all know, adults in the church to our kids are people they're looking to because they're like, this person's in my church. I'm going to watch and see how they do it, right? They're watching us. They're watching you, right? So we're going to pray. And I'm going to let Pastor Brad lead this one, though, and I'm going to pray, too. So we're just going to pray for all the parents, and then we're going to bring up the parents. So let's let's all just, we're going to join hands. God, we just come together, God, and we just, we lift up the adults, Father God. We... We pray that that you would move in their life, Father God. These words that that Pastor Ann spoke, Father God, I pray that these scriptures and these principles, these biblical principles, God, that we we pray that, that they would not just fall on our ears, but God, they would be planted in our hearts, God. These principles would, these seeds would be planted in our hearts, Father God, and all the adults that that they may not even seem or they might not even think that they're role models, Father God. I pray that you would you would help us understand that people are looking to us for leadership and guidance. They're, whether we know it or not, there's people looking at us and, and, and doing things like we do things, Father God. And I just pray over the adult leadership of this church, Father God, that we would begin to have grace we would have love for the the children, God. We know in your word, we see 
the the story of the children coming to Jesus and the disciples trying to, to turn them away. And then Jesus turned to them and said, let the children come to me, Father God. And as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, Father God, I pray right now that every adult person in here, Father God, could say that same thing, that we could look at these children, Father God, and we could say, follow me as I follow Christ, God. God, we just, we just lift them up, God, and we just love you and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God, these principles that we heard this morning. God, let them be deeply implanted in our lives and our minds, God. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Okay. All right, so second part of this is I want all of you parents to come up here and stand behind all these kids. You can come stand behind your own kids, or you can come stand behind kids that you minister to. So I know some of us have four to sevens, but come up here with all the kids. I want every adult in the house to come up here and lay your hands on some kids. Like, you know, grab their heads, shake them around a little bit. Sometimes you've got to shake things out of them, you know. I tell them, um, and we're gonna we're gonna pray for the kids in this in this house today, and we're gonna pray that they can be godly people, and that um, all the things that I said to you as parents, you know, that they know that really in the end it's gonna be up to them. That life is about choices, right? And so we have to help our kids make those choices. But in the end, they're gonna get to make their choices, and we can train them in the way they should go. But I want us to pray for them that they would make more and more good choices than they make bad choices, right? That they'll do it better than we did, you know. And so that's what we're going to pray this morning. And, um, and so let's get started. So everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. Dear God, we just want to thank you for the service this morning, Lord God. We want to lift up every single student and child in this room, Lord God. That for each and every one of them, Lord, that you, you have a special anointing on their life, Lord. That they have a purpose. That you have a plan for them, Lord God. That you have exactly every step that they should take, Lord God, and that as we're leaders and parents in their lives, that we're going to help them make those steps, that we're going to point them to you in every situation, Lord God, in every decision that they have to make, Lord, that we point them toward you, that um, our opinions would never shadow your opinion, Lord God, that our will for their life does not overshadow your will for their life, Lord, that all the things that we hope and dream for them would not be over something that you have for them, Lord God. All the missionaries that will come out of this group, all the pastors, all the teachers, all the moms, all the dads, all the parents, aunts, uncles, the grandparents that they'll be, Lord God. Just the, I pray that all these words that we've spoken to them over the years, Lord, would just stick with them, Lord God. That as they're old, they're not going to fall from it, Lord God. That they're not going to fall from it when they're young. That they're not going to fall from it when they're teenagers. They're not going to fall from it when they're in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, their 70s. They're just not going to fall from you, Lord God. We just bind the enemy and just just cast him out right now. He has just no place in any of these children's lives, Lord God, that they will have that power, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit would live in each and every one of them, Lord God, to help them to just fight every every detour that the enemy tries to throw at them, Lord. We just uh, ask that you would just be there. Be their wisdom, Lord Jesus. Show them a way. Keep them on that right path, Lord God. And we just ask you all this in Jesus' name. Amen.